and welcome to your second installment of the week of the Play It As It Lies podcast. That's right, we're here again, right before the NFL draft, ready to hit you with a little bit more mock draft action. Frank, you ready to get mocky? I am ready to mock and roll. The strength of the wolf is the pack. Fantastic thing to say and a fantastic thing to remember before the draft, which is going to be online, so that's going to be real interesting. But the good thing is... Uh, we'll still be seeing all the players' reactions and hopefully the right order that we predict them in. So, Frank, ready to draft? I am ready as I'll ever be, Rotom. But uh, you're up first here playing GM for the Cincinnati Bengals, who are on the clock first. And with the number one overall pick, the Bengals select... With no surprise, obviously, Joe Burrow. I mean, this was probably the easiest pick of the draft. And to be honest with you guys, I don't think it needs any explanation. Just the ring on his finger shows it all. Frank, with the number two overall pick, I believe the Washington Redskins will be selecting... Chase Young. Another no-brainer of a pick here. The individual who has been mocked to the Redskins for months. And some people thought that they might... Uh, branch from the norm here and pick Tua if they wanted to go the quarterback direction. But Chase Young is a once-in-a-lifetime type of prospect, and it would be foolish of them not to select him here. Um, and with that, we move to pick number three, where I believe we have a trade to announce. We do. After long, long deliberations between uh, all three GMs of the Chargers, Lions, and Dolphins, uh, which were played by me and Frank uh, in all three departments, the Dolphins and Lions have come out to trade, with the Dolphins receiving the third overall pick in exchange for this year's fifth, next year's first from the Texans, involved with the Remy Tunsil trade, and also the 39th and 70th pick of this year's draft. They will be using that third overall pick... On Tua, Tua Gavalua from the University of Alabama. Tua is about the most popular player in this draft. I mean, he's been talked about for years, and people have been ready for him to be the number one. It's insane at this point that two players have managed to surpass him. He is essentially the prototypical uh, NFL uh, dual threat quarterback nowadays with a career touchdown to interception ratio of eight to one. He's insane. He's ready to go in the NFL right away. And with the publicity around him and the kind of swagger that he carries himself around in, he's the face of the franchise. And uh, the Dolphins will be very happy to pick him up in exchange for whatever they can. And with that, we'll be moving on to a very, very confusing pick now that Tua is off the board. Number four, the New York Giants will select. Offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Here at number four, the Giants are in a bit of an interesting spot. They could go in a number of directions, uh, specifically if they want to choose an offensive lineman, which is probably their biggest need at the uh, tackle position. There's several players they could choose from, but Tristan Wirfs makes a lot of sense here. He is extremely athletic for an offensive tackle. He can play both right tackle and left tackle, which uh, gives the Giants some versatility and frankly they just need some offensive line help to protect their new franchise quarterback and daniel jones 
as well as to open up some running lanes for Saquon Barkley, who we know is so dynamic. Um, but it's coming off a bit of a down year in terms of injuries and production, so getting Worfs in there will help in both departments. And from that, we move to number five, where the Detroit Lions are now occupying the pick that the Dolphins originally had. And with this fifth pick, the Lions will select... Jeffrey Okuda. Now, this is a dream pick. After the Lions pick up a first-round pick, dropping two spots, they're also going to pick up probably the third-best player in this draft in Jokuda. He's the dream in Detroit, who now have very little prospect left in their arsenal, but now have a blue-chip prospect with a great mental makeup and personal character that can stay resilient in Detroit for a long time. Quarterbacks rarely target him and can't really beat him over the top, essentially taking away half the field for Detroit to cover, and if one man can take away half the field, ten can cover the other half. Pretty easy math here in Detroit, and they're going to be taking Okuda, sliding us into a hole of the Chargers, who sadly did not win in the Tua sweepstakes. Who will the Chargers be settling for at number six? And after much deliberation, the Chargers will in fact take... Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. As we mentioned, the Chargers wanted to trade up with the Lions to number three, but were ultimately ousted by the Dolphins, who frankly had uh, much superior draft capital and were able to jump them in that sweepstakes. And instead of taking another quarterback like Justin Herbert here, uh, they'll opt to maybe look at the quarterback options later, which we'll go into. And instead, they'll take the best player on the board, and that is Isaiah Simmons who gives them, in addition to Derwin James, the addition of Simmons would give them two do-it-all matchup defensive players, which is an extremely valuable luxury to have. Uh, you can put Simmons anywhere on the field, and he will perform and produce. He can match up with running backs, tight ends. Uh, he's rangy. Uh, he flies to the ball, and he has sideline to sideline speed. And that's something the Chargers need on their defense. And uh, he's certainly going to help them for sure. Another team who could use some help is the Carolina Panthers, who, with the seventh pick, are taking... They're going to be sadly taking Derek Brown. Obviously not too sadly. One of the better prospects in this draft, but I think if I am the Panthers, I will be very sad to see uh, Simmons pass one pick before. He obviously could have helped replace Luke Keekley, but a guy like Derek Brown will definitely help his replacement. His motor is insane. He's like a weasel ready to pop out of any position up and down the defensive line, can redirect plays with a single hand while making a tackle with another. He's a top-tier talent, and at number seven is a pretty big steal uh, for the Panthers. Obviously, they would have wanted to fill the hole Luke Kuechly leaves, but essentially whoever lines up behind him will have a lot more time with Brown eating up two to three blocks per play, which leads us into our next pick, the Cardinals. At number eight, select... Jedrick Wills Jr., the offensive tackle out of Alabama. They probably would have been happy if Tristan Wirfs has slid to them at number eight, but they'll settle for Wills, who many people actually think is the best offensive tackle in this draft, and he'd be a great fit in Arizona because after trading for DeAndre Hopkins in free agency, uh, offensive line is now their clear, far and away biggest need, and they don't have to draft a receiver here anymore because they've filled that hole via Hopkins and Wills can slot in there at either tackle spot 
for the Cardinals and help solidify that front and help protect Kyler Murray on his blind side or at the right tackle position. And Wills is a little bit undersized for a prototypical offensive tackle, but what he lacks in size, he makes up for with intangibles as well as superior athletic ability. And another thing to uh, take note of here is at Alabama, obviously their offense was very heavy on quick throws and quick passing ability. And that's where Tua thrived. And Kyler Murray is kind of the same way in the air raid offense. And that's kind of a unique position for an offensive tackle to be in. But Jedrick Wills has experience in that type of system, which I think will translate well into the NFL and into Arizona. Um, Speaking of translating, we'll now translate to pick number nine, where the Jacksonville Duval Jaguars are selecting. Carolina's own Javon Kinlaw, a man of many talents. He has the size, length, and power to pretty much win on any front, again, up and down that defensive line, but probably will be playing the edge. Um, He's got the talent and ability to make him a day-one starter, which will be a necessity for this Jaguars team that just fire-sold their whole defense. And uh, Javon Kinlaw definitely has the skills to maybe even replace uh, the production that came out of New Raven Calais Campbell. Uh, And that's mostly because he requires two blocks at all times, which is something that a lot of teams in the AFC South We'll soon find out about the man Javon Kinlaw. Also to note, this will be at pick number 9, uh, much lower than what Frank took uh, the bet on at 15, just to rub it in his face a little bit more, but to see what he picks next at number 10 for the Cleveland Browns. Browns are selecting Andrew Thomas, another offensive tackle, this time out of the great school of Georgia, four-year player of Georgia, a terrific all-around offensive tackle, um, absolutely a plug-and-play starter at the left tackle spot for the Browns, which is in, which is a desperate need for them because their offensive line really suffered last year. And as a result, you saw a regression in the play of Baker Mayfield. And some of Mayfield's struggles can be put on his own shoulders, but at the same time, Um, Offensive line play definitely played a significant role in his regression and the team's lack of offensive success overall. And Andrew Thomas is on par with any other tackle in this class, I think. So you can bet the Browns will be thrilled to get him here at number 10. Um, Another team who could use some offensive line help, potentially the New York Jets, who are picking at number 11. And with this pick... They will take Not an offensive lineman. I hate to break it to you. After already picking three offensive linemen, uh, two defensive linemen, a pair of quarterbacks, we're finally going to get to the main crop of this draft. And we're going to start for number 11, a true New York gem, a man among boys, and the first wide receiver off a board. Jerry Judy. 24 touchdowns in 28 games in Alabama running beautiful pro-style routes akin to Calvin Johnson. I'm convinced he's the best wide receiver on the board and would be the number one wide receiver on almost every NFL team. He is falling into the Jets' hands and soon to be Sam Darnold's best friend in Secaucus. Now, outside of Secaucus, obviously we're going to see a few teams that would very much love some of that wide receiver help, uh, starting with the Las Vegas Raiders, First ever pick, number 12. 
Mr. C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma, uh, now the number two receiver off the board, who many people think could end up being the first receiver off the board. Um, C.D. Lamb is an absolutely terrific consolation prize here for the Raiders, who are getting a potential superstar. Um, they need a number one wideout alongside Tyrell Williams, and they really could just use some juice in Oklahoma, he posted two consecutive seasons of over 1,100 yards, and this past season he had 14 touchdowns and averaged 21.4 yards per catch, which is an insane number, and that is insane production, and it shows. Jerry Judy is a terrific receiver in his own right, but I think CeeDee Lamb has a dog mentality to him that Judy cannot match, but you can't go wrong with either player. And the Raiders will certainly be happy that CeeDee Lamb is available here for them. Now, we move to pick number 13, where the San Francisco 49ers are selecting a pick that originally belonged to the Colts. And with this pick, the 49ers are taking And I'm not even leaving the SEC. I'm not even leaving Tuscaloosa. I'm going to the other side of the field from Jerry Judy, and I'm just picking up. Henry Ruggs for the 49ers. I got three numbers for you. 427, 40-yard dash. 42-inch vertical, 131-inch broad jump. A combine to end all combines. The athletic freak known as Touchdown City needs no more explanation. He's going to be Julio Jones Part 2 in Shanahan's offense for the 49ers. Not to mention a team that just came off a Super Bowl loss and an Alabama player to boot. This is the perfect place, an absolute stunner of a trade, trading up from DeForest Buckner to Henry Ruggs III, easily one of the best wide receivers. A team that definitely doesn't need some wide receiver help, but really needs a lot of pieces to put around Tom Brady is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picking here at 14. Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers indeed, who now have Rob Gronkowski, who they actually just traded for. Uh, as we're recording this today. So they have the playmakers that they need on offense. The issue is that their offensive line is spotty at best, which is exactly why with this pick, they are going to take Makai Becton out of Louisville. Surprise, surprise, another offensive tackle off the board. The fourth of the fearsome foursome of this offensive tackle class. Um, a lot of people think that Becton might actually have the highest upside of the group, and it's not hard to see why. At 6'7", with a 7-foot wingspan, Becton is a mammoth of an individual, mirroring that of a power forward or center in the league, and he plays like it with absolute tenacity and underrated quickness and agility, especially for his size. Um, he's got some parts of his game that he needs to clean up, but he'll be a plug-and-play right away for the Buccaneers. And it'll help uh, keep Tom Brady upright and give Brady time to deliver the ball to an abundance of offensive playmakers. Now, uh, one team who necessarily doesn't have an, an abundance of offensive playmakers is the Denver Broncos, who pick at 15. However, it's my understanding that uh, we might have a trade to announce. There is a trade to announce in Las Vegas fashion, in Raiders fashion. The Raiders are actually going to sneak up here to number 15 trading away their 19th overall pick and the 81st overall in this year's draft, a third rounder, in exchange for the pick right here with the Broncos, the 15th. And why they would do that, you might ask? Well, 
That's because they want to go get their man, their future quarterback. Justin Herbert. The Las Vegas Raiders are making an absolute Vegas kind of move to grab Herbert. Self-admittedly, I don't love him as a quarterback prospect, but the way the Raiders have been talking about him and the way a lot of teams have been talking about him, um, snagging him at 15 is a steal, especially if he's a potential franchise quarterback. So not a bad pick. Not loving his uh, development, especially after four full years at Oregon. We've kind of seen everything he can do. Um, but, you know, maybe John Gruden, quarterback whisper, can really knock some sense into him and uh, lead them to glory for the Raiders. Following the Raiders uh, will be the Dirty Birds, who will pick at number 16. As the Dirty Birds, or the Atlanta Falcons, as you may more professionally call them, are taking... Edge rusher Calevon Chasen out of LSU. And this seems to be the consensus pick here for the Falcons at 16. And it's not hard to see why, because the Falcons have developed a reputation for loving speedy edge rushers. And that is exactly what they'd be getting in Mr. Chasen. In my estimation, outside of Chase Young, Chasen is far and away the best edge rusher in this class. And he's extremely athletic. And what's impressive to me is his ability not only to rush the passer, but he can also make plays in coverage. And he's not too shabby against the run either. So he has underrated versatility and high upside here for the Falcons, who really just need help on defense wherever they can find it. And Chasen should step in right away and replace former lottery pick Vic Beasley, who signed with the Tennessee Titans in free agency. Moving along to pick number 17, we have America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, selecting Chris Henderson Jr. or Chris Harris Jr. That's the question that a lot of Cowboys fans are pretty much going to be asking after a few seasons of him patrolling the Dallas boundary. He's a mere wide receiver while his eyes completely stayed locked in at quarterback. The man can go out and get a lot of interceptions, mainly in space on the boundary. He's one of those players that definitely can keep the outside portions of the field completely locked down, not allowing guys to throw over his shoulder. And with the Cowboys kind of being a spot where any fine edge rusher or any top-tier talent could slide to, Henderson might be a proper fit. Um, And his tough frame kind of puts him in a position to be one of the best in the league very quickly if the Cowboys can use him to his finest potential at number 17. Moving on, we have number 18, another pick for the Dolphins. Sir, and with their second of three first-round picks, they will select Josh Jones, another offensive tackle, this time out of the University of Houston. Now, after selecting their franchise quarterback at number three in Tua, they really need to beef up the offensive line because, as it's been well documented, Tua has an unfortunate injury history, and hopefully he'll stay healthy at the next level. But the Dolphins probably have the worst offensive line in the league, maybe one of the worst offensive lines in NFL history, all things considered. And Josh Jones, outside of the top four offensive tackle prospects already listed, Jones is a more than suitable consolation prize. Uh, Last year at Houston, 
he allowed no sacks, no pressures, and committed no holding penalties, which is almost unthinkable that that would happen. And he fits the profile of a franchise tackle um, in every sense of the word. And getting him here at 18 is solid value. And his stock's been on the rise in recent weeks. And the Dolphins are getting a heck of a player here in Mr. Josh Jones. Speaking of solid players, next we move to 19, where the Denver Broncos are now picking. Using their newly minted pick from the Raiders, they will be picking LSU's own. Justin Jefferson, the best player in the second tier of this year's wide receiver stock, who in most drafts honestly would be the first receiver off the board, spent years as Joe Burrow's best friend in Louisiana, boasting fantastic completed percentages, especially out of the slot in uh, this year's title chase. Uh, he's slippery in space, fitting perfectly into Vic Fangio's uh, West Coast offense, and he'll pretty much be helping anyone who approaches that Broncos wild QB ride. One of the best NFL comparisons I've seen him so far is Greg Jennings in the way that he really can, you know, just make anything happen in the middle of the field. And that's perfect for a QB who needs a lot of help in that Denver Broncos chair, a position that could also be shared by whoever ends up taking the Jaguars seat at number 20. Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama, who the Jaguars are selecting here at number 20. Uh, you talked about it earlier when the Jaguars picked Javon Kinlaw at number nine. They need to rebuild their defense in a big way after completely gutting the roster that was in the AFC Championship just a few seasons ago. Um, they need talent on defense at all levels, and getting a do-it-all bona fide stud in the back end here in McKinney is a great first step or second step after adding Kinlaw already in this first round. Uh, McKinney profiles probably as more of a strong safety than free safety. Uh, he's not the most speedy guy and doesn't have terrific range, but he can more than hold his own in the back end. And he's a great matchup player against tight ends and running backs. Um, and he's a hard hitter and he has a nose for the ball and a nose for just making plays. And Nick Saban put a lot of trust in him to uh, take on leadership responsibility on their defense for Alabama. And anytime a coach like Nick Saban shows a that much trust in a player, it speaks highly of them. McKinney will do wonders for the Jaguars secondary. Now we move on to pick number 21, where the Philadelphia Eagles are selecting. The longtime corner needy Eagles will finally be filling a big position of need taking... A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, and despite a softer 2019, the 2018 national champion ran a shutdown side, recording 54 tackles, 7 pass breakups, 3 forced fumbles, and 5 interceptions, including an incredible 44-yard touchdown return against Alabama in the title game. The Eagles, who, as I mentioned, have been needing a lot of help on defense, their offense has not been as problematic as it had been before, and the defense has been really showing its age, and being able to cap the top of a defense with a guy like AJ Terrell is fantastic, especially in their division, which has so many playmakers at the wide receiver position. The Eagles will be very happy to be filling a role that they've had so many problems with for so long. Will we see more of the same taking quarterback number 22? For the Vikings. 
Yes, you will indeed. Uh, the run on defensive backs will continue here at 22 with the Vikings selecting Jeff Gladney, the cornerback out of TCU. Once you get past Jeffrey Okuda and CJ Henderson, uh, the cornerback crop in this class is all a little bit jumbled with a lot of players kind of mirroring each other's play styles, and it's hard to separate one player from the group. But Jeff Gladney has a terrific case to, as the third best cornerback prospect in this draft. That bodes well for a Vikings defense that lost not just Xavier Rhodes, but also Trey Waynes. So they're two starting corners, both playing elsewhere now. Um, they lost both them in free agency, so they need to replace that production. Jeff Gladney will surely make them glad that they picked him here. He has a great athletic profile. He can step in as CB1 right away and uh, really solidify the back end in Minnesota. Moving along here to number 23, the New England Patriots are on the clock. And they're going to take Zach Bond. Are you surprised, you know, the Patriots picked a versatile, do-it-all, outside linebacker? Oh, I'm not surprised. While a positive testing for a diluted sample at the combine could send him sliding a little bit, oh. um, the Kyle Van Noy-sized hole that's left in Belichick's defensive wall could easily be filled uh, with the Badger. He's a little undersized, but has a great motor and smart reading skills. Sound like any Patriots you know? It's a fantastic fit, um, and he easily could slide past the Patriots if they don't select him, as he is really a perfect fit here. Uh, if they're going to keep going without Tom Brady, a team that won't have to worry about whether their quarterback's staying in place, though. Next after them is the Saints, with Drew Brees locked in. Will they be looking for his own weapons? Number 24. Number 24, the Saints, uh, not the Aints, are going to be taking Mr. Patrick Queen, linebacker out of LSU. And you know, Rotom, uh, diluted samples, there's no place for that in a kingdom. There's also no place for that in a queendom. And although his last name is Queen, uh, Patrick Queen resembles that of a king when he's in the middle of the field. At just 20 years old, he showed tremendous leadership and intangibles for LSU last year in their title run. Uh, he needs to clean up some area of his game, some areas of his game in terms of run defense and being a little bit more consistent. But he's great in pass coverage. And the Saints here at 24, they can take a chance a bit and roll the dice. They don't have many holes on their roster whatsoever. And pairing a player like Queen in the middle of the field with DeMario Davis and the rest of the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball is enticing. And the LSU connection there down in New Orleans, um, between that and the on-field fit, it just makes too much sense for them to take anyone else. And that's why Patrick Queen here at 24 is the man for the Saints. And now moving to 25, the Vikings are back on the clock. Back on the Glock, already having taken Jeff Gladney fixing their hole at cornerback, I see them fixing the hole on the other side. Uh, Minnesota here at 25 are losing starlet wide receiver Stefan Diggs, but are going to be picking up a fresh product off the Clemson wide receiver factory line, and that, of course, is... T. Higgins. If you didn't get a chance to watch him play, he uh, scored on 20% of his catches, so his highlight tape is pretty long. Uh, having scored, especially from all three receiver spots, lining up outside, inside, in the slot, anywhere you really want him, the man can go up and get it. Pairing him with catch magnet 
Adam Thielen, and a puberty-voiced Kirk Cousins. And that's a winning formula. Let's, uh, let's tee things up with uh, Frank's next pick. Uh, number 26, the Dolphins, again. Yes, I am back, picking for the Dolphins for the second time. Um, and with this pick, I'm taking another offensive lineman. Mr. Cesar Ruiz, the center slash guard out of Michigan. Cesar Ruiz is personally maybe my favorite prospect in this draft, and I think he's being incredibly underrated. He is far and away the top interior offensive line prospect, um, head and shoulders above other players like Matt Hennessy and Jonah Jackson. Um, even after picking Josh Jones, I still think the Dolphins can afford to go further into the offensive line crop and really just give Tua some protection. And you win games in the trenches, ultimately, more often than not. And the Dolphins' offensive line is too too worrisome and too talent-deprived just to settle for taking Josh Jones. They need some beef, and they need some assistance in the interior, and that's exactly what Cesar Ruiz will provide here at 26. Moving along to 27, we have the... Seattle Seahawks selecting. Uh, many of you who have long watched the show will know for a fact that I had to make this pick, uh, so Frank couldn't. Uh, and with Clowney at the door, Pete Carroll needs to replenish his arsenal of edge rushers, and he'll need to look no further than your Turgros Matos out of Penn State. Yes, the man they call Fetus Deletus will be going to Seattle. Uh, the Happy Valley product is not a pass rusher yet, really on the pro level, but he is 6'5 and really growing there. And the way that Pete Carroll has been developing a lot of his edge rushing staff uh, is a great rotational system, which definitely allows rookies and young players to develop thoroughly. I mean, just look at the um, talent that he's produced out of that beautiful 4-3 defense that he runs. Uh, yeah, so as he grows into that 6'5 frame, I think the sacks in Seattle will skyrocket. Leading us in to Another kind of bird, going from a Seahawk to a Raven, picking at number 28, is the Baltimore Ravens. Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU. And for me, uh, admittedly as a Ravens fan, this would be a home run selection. I can't figure out why Delpit is being so undervalued. Um, after a tremendous 2018 season, he was already being billed as a potential top 10, top five pick at this point, And he was not bad at all in 2019. In fact, he was quite underrated, in my opinion. Kind of a victim of being on such a great team with so many other great players around him. But Delpit was kind of the glue in LSU's defense in the back end. And as a free safety, he has tremendous range, tremendous ball skills. Um, there's some concerns related to tackling. Um, on tape, he's shown kind of a lack of aggression and a, and a lack of technique when playing down towards the box. But I think that can be cleaned up, especially in a Ravens defense with Wink Martindale at the helm. He'll know exactly how to get the most out of Delpit's qualities. And admittedly, safety is not the biggest need for the Ravens, not in the short term. But it's important to keep in mind that Earl Thomas is 31 years old, and he does have a little bit of a lengthy injury history to his name. And if Thomas were to go down, the Ravens' defense would would suffer tremendously because they don't have another defensive back 
in the rotation that can match that same range and same ball hawking ability that Thomas brings to the table. And that's exactly what Delpit does. And I frankly think he has all pro caliber potential. So getting him here at 28 is an absolute steal for Baltimore. Uh, moving along to number 29, the team that sadly topped the Ravens in the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans, who are on the clock. Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Not many are touting Diggs to go day one, uh, but that would be a huge mistake. He's one of my personal favorite uh, talents in the draft. Uh, and obviously, you know, I've picked quite a few cornerbacks, but uh, this one, especially one of my favorites. And at six foot one with a uh, with a 33 inch wingspan, he's built to line up against bigger talents. His eyes keep him in the fight long enough to really pull out anything. He's one of those guys that uh, on Madden would keep you in pace for about 10 seconds of any play until you get the sack. Uh, the All-Pro cornerback finished his senior year with three jaw-dropping interceptions and two fumble recoveries, including an 100-yarder in the SEC. That's insane. I can't imagine his work rate and skill set will not quickly translate over, but uh, he will be ready to be an NFL starting cornerback by the end of Season 1. Uh, the Titans, who are looking like they're about to lose anchor corner, who has a long time patrolled that defense, Logan Ryan, uh, Diggs uh, could easily be a perfect replacement in almost an entirely similar skill set. It seems like a match made in heaven for a player to really shine. Another place that a player could really shine, as shown to us, of many, many of the Packers' former picks, a team that loves building through the draft, the 30th overall pick, the Packers. linebacker Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Uh, Rotom, you mentioned Trayvon Diggs, who's six foot one and appears to be lots of fun. Uh, Kenneth Murray is six foot two, but every bit just as fun. Um, admittedly, personally, this isn't the most exciting pick for me. I'm not crazy high on Kenneth Murray, and I think he's probably more of a second round talent than a first round talent. But for a team like the Packers here at the end of the first round, this is a need-based pick, make no mistake about it. They have invested a lot in their defense last year in free agency, but they need help at middle linebacker. Um, they signed Christian Kirksey in the offseason um, to a reasonable deal. Who He should step in as a starter, but outside of that, they don't have any proven. They don't have anyone who's proven that they can lock down that other side of the field. And they have Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith on both of the edges. So your pass rush is secure. But Kirksey needs some help inside. And Kenneth Murray, there's some concerns related to his processing and tangibles and play recognition. But I think as he grows more into his frame and he matures in the league, I think that'll come. But it's hard not to be enticed by his athletic ability and his sideline-to-sideline speed. And just his ability to float and roam to the ball and make plays, I think that shows up on tape. And I think the Packers have a good enough system and culture to where he can slide in and some of his qualities that have yet to develop, I think, will be diminished more so. And they can really they can really hone in on his strengths and get the most out of his athletic talent. And moving along to pick number 31. Um, I could be mistaken, but sources are telling me we have yet another trade. Rotoms, this is true. Tell me if you heard this story before. A team needing of a quarterback passed over one earlier on 
but they're going to trade back into the first round to pick one up. Yes, the Chargers, who many of you have been shocked, did not pick up Justin Herbert early in the round, will be exchanging their 37th and 112th pick in this year's draft for the 31st with the San Francisco 49ers. In so doing, they will be picking former Alabama, now Oklahoma quarterback, Jalen Hurts. A shocking pick, uh, but the Chargers, I mean, would essentially be saving themselves a lot of draft capital and picking up a quarterback that I truly believe has just as much talent. Um, they've been building for a quarterback to step into that place since Philip Rivers left, signing Trey Turner, trading for Russell Okung. Uh, Matt Pouncey is still playing uh, with Brian Bulaga, just signed for $30 million over three years. There's a quarterback-sized hole ready to be filled, and that will be filled by Hertz. He's light on his feet, which goes along with the eyes in the back of his head because he's an insane playmaker, uh, and he'll bring a new edge to an offense that has blossomed with a lot of running talent, and his addition will only add a lot more flexibility using a lot of zone schemes and designed runs that will gradually make that Chargers offense harder and harder to play. He's got a trophy cabinet to match a lot of his athleticism, and if the Chargers move to take him, they'll likely give Tyrod the start, but gradually, like many players that have backed up Tyrod before, will He'll be, he'll have received the reins before the end of his first season, throwing to guys like Henry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and the new addition of Chris Harris Jr. That's a lock for Jalen Hurts to be a good career charger. Frank, our technical Mr. Irrelevant, number 32, the Kansas City Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Yes, Rotom, and this de facto Mr. Irrelevant is in fact... DeAndre Swift, running back out of Georgia, the first and only running back to be taken in our first-round mock draft. He goes to a great situation in Kansas City. The reigning Super Bowl champions already have an explosive, dynamic offense, and Swift would just add all that and more, another element to the backfield alongside Damian Williams. Swift is a great running back, great running back prospect. He is a solid pass catcher out of the backfield. Maybe not the most polished or bruising between the tackles runner, but in terms of explosiveness on outside runs, outside zone runs, and taking screen and swing passes out of the backfield, he is certainly an attractive option, and getting him here at 32 is a great find for the Chiefs, whose offense just now becomes even more unguardable. And with that, it's a scary sight for the rest of the NFL. Well, with that concluding our mock draft, I do have a few questions for you. Now that we've set a fourth, our first 32, who are you most surprised, Frank, that we did not include here? Who are you touting is most likely to be the first-round pick that slides day two? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple names that, that could stand out, but obviously the most glaring name is is uh, Jordan Love, the quarterback prospect out of Utah State. Um, a lot of people, almost everyone really, has him being mocked somewhere in the first round, but for us, the board just didn't really fall that way. Um, we did see Jalen Hurts be the fourth quarterback taken, but even someone like Justin Herbert slid down our board, and I think that kind of speaks to uh, what you and I think of these quarterback prospects. I think after Burrow and Tua, there's kind of a big gap between the rest of the field, and I don't really think Jordan Love is, granted, I'm not some Granted, I didn't watch a, cut, a ton of Utah State film of this past college season, but based on everything I've seen and everything I've read, I don't really think Jordan Love 
is a bona fide first round talent, although I do see the upside there. And I'd see why some team would be willing to take a chance on him. Um, so maybe a team like the Detroit Lions at the top of the second round. Um, that's a potential good fit there for Jordan Love. Uh, what do you think? I think Jordan Love is definitely one of the big ones. And I think, like you said, I think a bit of a bias came about of us not really loving uh, this quarterback class. Um, I definitely would see the Lions as a good pick for them to go at number 35. But another major one I'd be looking at is number 43 is probably as far as he'll slide uh, with the Bears most likely be interesting in picking up another good quarterback prospect. Uh, though the guy that I think um, really should not be sliding as far as we let him slide uh, is A.J. Epineza. The guy is a beast on the D-line, and while we did take quite a few, I don't think he really ranks much above uh, Yeter Grossmatos, uh, and especially not higher than guys like Chasen or Kinlaw. Um, so it does make sense that he kind of slides, but I think almost any team in that top five will be clamoring uh, to take him. He'll definitely be one of those names that I, I don't see a, a place for him but we'll definitely find one in the second day. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think Ebeneza is definitely a borderline first-round talent, and I think any of those teams after maybe 25 on, uh, there's definitely an argument that any of those teams could have easily picked him, but uh, just didn't work out this way in the mock. But he, in real life, he'll definitely be going towards the end of the first round, early second round at the latest. But uh, Rotom, I'm curious, um, out of all the picks that I made, as uh, the de facto GM, which one, you, which one of the picks that I made is your favorite? So obviously some of my favorite picks for you, I think, was uh, the Dolphins picks, number 26, Cesar Ruiz, and number 18, Josh Jones. If you had listened to our first mock draft, you know that I actually picked most of the offensive linemen in that one, and I absolutely love Josh Jones as an offensive playmaker that can move all around the offensive line. I think he is essentially a fullback playing tackle with the six foot five frame to do it. Uh, with Cesar Ruiz, who is busting up defensive linemen in the Big Ten, and hey, defensive linemen from Iowa and Nebraska are no joke. And Ruiz handle all of them with ease. I think putting those two guys next to each other in front of a guy like Tua Tua Gavalua, uh is pretty much a recipe for a lot of protection and giving the guy a lot of time, which he's going to need. So absolutely loved our uh, our little joint venture in building the Dolphins' new offense. So uh, I would love to hear, though. I loved your Dolphins picks, but uh, what, did, what did you think about my side of the draft? You know, uh, I won the final pick that I didn't like out of uh, out of your crop, and I got to say, I couldn't. I've, I've spent hours and hours digging into these picks, and uh, I just think that uh, you put forth a outstanding uh, showing as a de facto GM, so I applaud you in that department. But out of all your picks of which there were many good ones. I think, personally, I think my favorite pick was the Henry Ruggs pick to the 49ers. And at that spot, that's... Yeah, no surprise. Obviously, I love Henry Ruggs. But at that spot, that seemed... That seems maybe like a no-brainer of a selection. But still, with the way the board fell, you capitalized on a great situation for San Francisco. And the idea of Ruggs playing in Kyle Shanahan's offense with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and their platoon of talented running backs, that is just in very, very enticing and tantalizing. And I would love to see that happen in real life. So hopefully Ruggs gets swept under the rug a bit and falls to 13 um, like he did in this mock draft. And hats off to you for selecting him there. 
And hats off to you for uh, making 16 picks. It's a tough time, and I'm really interested to see how a lot of the GMs are going to do it virtually uh, later tonight when you guys will hopefully be listening to this on draft night. If you're listening to this afterwards, um, and when we seem to be entirely wrong, um, you can tweet at us and tell us how wrong we are at PlayItPod on Instagram or on Twitter. You can tweet at me at Rodham Kaufman and Frank. Where can the angry listeners tweet at you? can tweet at me at frankjp0, but, uh, you know, keep it PG and uh, try to be polite here. For more hard-hitting mock analysis, keep listening to the Play It at Life podcast, leaving, leave us some more fantastic reviews. We are five stars on iTunes, just saying. Uh, and tell your friends so we can get some more listeners. Frank? We are, uh, we're five stars on iTunes. Uh, that's two total ratings, but it's more about the ratings. It's more about the quality, not the quantity, you know? Mind over matter. Wash those hands. What? Wash your nasty hands.